Welcome to the Fitness Canner Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Feigl. I'll be bringing you the truth about exercise by interviewing fitness professionals, exercise science professors and researchers, as well as fitness industry entrepreneurs and leaders. Hopefully you take this info and apply it to have a better, healthier, and happier lifestyle. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Fitness Candor Podcast. I am joined again today. She's making a trifecta, a three-peat. This might be the only time someone's been on three times. Um, I think so. If not, it's like it's like in the top two, at least. It's like you or one other person might. But uh, Kristen DeAngelis, registered dietitian, also a devout, uh, what I would call a yogi, uh, marathoner, adrenaline junkie, skier, runner, hiker, uh, <laughs> nutrition extraordinaire, like she's all sorts of stuff, but uh, she's done a great job explaining on on how to how to simplify nutrition, how to make better choices, and I know she's worked with a lot of people that I personally know, and I'm going to let her kind of share today a little bit about hormone regulation, blood glucose level, and the importance of that, and how it, it shapes your overall uh, look at food and carb cravings, because I think uh, everybody can relate to having those things. And and I'm really interested in it because I've started doing um, fasting, and I know that definitely affects hormone regulation and glucose levels. So I'll be interested to see if she has anything to say about that, hint, hint, and um, we can kind of go from there. So Kristen, it's all yours. Awesome. Well, thanks again for having me on the show, Eric. Excited to be here. And excited to dive into this topic a little bit deeper, um, which is all about really blood sugar control. And so as Eric mentioned, I'm a registered dietitian, uh, which is a, a registered nutritionist. And I've worked with people really from all over, from wanting to change their body composition, lose weight, to really just getting healthy. And a, a lot of patients that I see um, more and more, unfortunately, you know, uh, having diabetes or are in that pre-diabetic state, which is really when we are looking at blood sugar control, something has kind of gone wrong. Um, but if you don't have prediabetes, you don't have a blood sugar regulation problem. However, you are, you know, quote unquote, a carb and sweet addict. You feel like you're just, you know, sugar has to control over you. You don't even have a choice in the matter. Um, you know, 3 p.m. comes and hits and you are tired, weak, fatigued, and, you know, the chocolates next door and donuts just are calling your name. Um, this is a, an episode to definitely listen to with some really good information. Um, and I'm just going to kind of walk you through, Eric, like what I usually, how I usually explain this Good. to patients that I sit down. So um, if I end up having an individual consult, this is usually the first place that I start with because once we get a handle on our blood sugar balance, then we can start to dive deeper into, um, you know, what else is kind of going on with that, with that person's overall nutrition. So interesting. Okay. So, um, I kind of, I always have a, I always have a piece of paper and a pen and I go through two diagrams. I say, we're going to walk through two scenarios. So I'm going to walk you through those scenarios now. So we're going to imagine a scenario. We're going to call him Bob. Okay. So Bob 
wakes up in the morning and uh, he knows it's important to have breakfast first thing in the morning. At least I've drilled that into him. Um, so he has breakfast, but he, you know, reaches for the honey nut Cheerios, milk and a glass of orange juice, right? So it's a standard American diet. Um, when we look at the honey nut Cheerios, the front of the box says, it uh, helps lower cholesterol. It says it's whole grain. And, oh, there's even this little label on there that says uh, gluten-free. So that must be good for me, right? right? Um, so at that one meal, though, we can see that if we actually looked at the portion size of that cereal, it's more than just the serving size of three-quarters of a cup. It's, you're probably having close to maybe two cups. Um, and then milk, so the, the the cereal that's got a lot of sugar in it, which you know, the cereal alone, that's probably going to be about 30 grams of sugar when you do the multiplier factor on that uh, nutrition facts label. So it's a lot of carbohydrate, added sugar. Um, then you have the milk, which again, milk is great, but there's also the natural form of sugar in that as well. It's a sugar and carbohydrate. Um, and then the juice. So, you know, an eight ounce cup of juice can have close to 40 grams of sugar, and that's a lot of carbohydrate, right? Yeah. So when we're having something in uh, refined carbohydrates um, and this big clump, this big meal that for the standard American diet can be close to 100 grams of carbohydrate, which, you know, for some other people listening, that might be how much they grams of carbohydrate they handle in, the, in a whole day. Um, so uh, what I'm trying to stress is Bob's having high refined carbohydrates, lots of sugar, and what he's lacking there is fiber and protein, right? So Bob's blood sugar is going to spike up. And, you know, maybe two hours later, he's, uh, he's hungry, but he's not even hungry, really. He's more so craving. He, you know, really feels like he wants to reach for that donut that's hanging out in the break room, or he just wants to run through, um, you know, a quick fast food joint and just, you know, grab a Coke or something like that. So he's kind of craving something more along the lines of that, that next sugar hit. And that's because his blood sugar tanked pretty quickly about two hours later. But whenever we have that craving for sugar and carbohydrate, I'm kind of drawing this scenario on that imaginary board, right? Blood sugar spiked, blood sugar dropped. He had a can of Coke or he had that donut, that sweet, that carb craving, blood sugar spiked again. But whenever Bob's blood sugar spikes, it's always followed by a crash, Right. So you can kind of see that there's this ping. Well, not see, but I'm you know, drawing it out as we're talking. Right. Um, you can see that there's this ping pong action, right? Up and down, up and down. And it's not, you know, nice valleys and it's, it's mountains and it's pretty severe. And so when we have that uh, continually, that's when we really, and, and long term, that's when we're putting excess stress on the body. Um, when we're at that, you know, those really high highs and those really low lows, it's getting the body confused. And um, the body likes consistency, right? It doesn't like these major fluctuation and changes because it says, okay, I'm not sure, you know, the next time that we're going to get some um, good nutrition. So it, it starts, it starts to uh, store the energy we're giving it as fat rather than, you know, using and burning it as fuel. Um, so that's kind of scenario a, and is that kind of making sense? That kind of ping pong action I'm talking about? Oh, definitely. I think everybody yeah. can relate to that too. 
Yeah. So I'm going to give a scenario B now. Um, we'll call we'll call him Eric. Ah, crap. <laughs> so, so Eric, uh, Eric wakes up in the morning and I know you're not doing this right now because you're fat, you're doing the fasted thing, um, right. in the morning, but, uh, let's say first thing in the morning, um, you do have breakfast and I usually stress for people to, when you're starting a journey to really make sure you are getting breakfast. I know, you know, some people say, Oh, I, I don't eat until, until noontime. Um, but I will say for a majority of people, if you are focusing on good nutrition, um, a first place I start is to just make sure that you are having breakfast. If you're kind of teetering with trying out some fasting stuff, we can kind of talk about that a little bit later. I'm just going to kind of go into this first scenario though. Um, so as opposed to Bob, um, Eric's going to make sure that, uh, He's really monitoring to make sure that he has both protein and fiber. These two pieces, these two components that will control his blood sugar. So instead of, you know, the refined sugary cereal, milk and orange juice, he's going to swap out the orange juice for a whole orange. So he has the fiber contained in the orange. Um, and instead of the cereal, you know, maybe he's going to just scramble up some eggs. Um, and maybe with those eggs, he has a second to just drop in some tomatoes and a handful of spinach. So he's going to scramble up with some eggs, some vegetables, and there's a piece of whole fruit on the side, or maybe it's a piece of whole grain toast. So to that example, there's two things. There's protein from the eggs, and then there's fiber from uh, the piece of fruit, the vegetables, the whole grain. So with that combination of protein and fiber, Eric's blood sugar, it doesn't spike up, but it rather more gradually rises. So if he eats at 8 a.m., 9 a.m. it's hiking, 10 a.m. it's going up, 11, now it's starting to drop, 12, dropping, 1, now it's dropping down. And he's more now in the valley, but he's not all the way down in the dumps where he's feeling major carb cravings and sweet cravings. He's more so uh, aware that he needs to eat something, right? And so he can make that more sensible choice that, okay, I need to make sure I have protein and fiber together and have that at my lunchtime. And then his blood sugar rises more slowly, falls more slowly. But to give the example of, you know, I was kind of counting down heat at eight, it started rising nine, 10 a.m., 11 a.m. It's starting to drop, you know, by noon or one, he's starting to get hungry. Well, if Eric gets stuck on a phone call and then he's stuck with another client and all of a sudden, you know, he had to, he had to just skip his lunch and now it's three or four o'clock. Well, he bypassed that opportunity and now he is down in the dumps and he is craving, you named it, you know, sugar, carbohydrate, um, something because carbohydrate is, is the sole nutrient that gives us instant energy. That's why we're craving it. Right. So, um, if you're eating now in that, you know, in the dump, so I'll, I'll call it like the hangry stage, right. Where we're kind of <laughs> hungry, but angry. Um, so some signs that you're in low blood sugar zone would be you're irritable, you're moody, you're having those cravings. Um, if you're really in a severe, um, area of blood sugar and, and I personally get this like spot on, if I don't eat within four hours, I get a little bit shaky, right? And so uh, for someone with diabetes or prediabetes, you may resonate with that or even just um, uh, low blood sugar. Like my mom, she doesn't have diabetes, but if she doesn't eat at, at four hours, I mean, she literally used to pass out when she didn't really understand her blood sugar very well. Wow. So 
Um, so it's really important that you're aware of how your body responds, but also, um, not so that you're just, you know, <laughs> going to control your mood a little bit better, but also so that you're not overeating, right? So if you've ever been in that state of, and I'll sometimes even refer to it on a scale of like, you know, one to 10, 10 is you're extremely full. You're at that very high spike. Um, and then zero being, you know, you're famished. You just, you just can't even do anything. It's that like mode of seafood, eat food kind of thing. Um, we never want to be you know, uh, in that one to two area of the gas gauge. Um, we want to really make sure that we're eating at a state of like three. We don't really want to go under three because then we're getting into the seafood, eat food, craving carbs, we're probably going to eat more carbs than we really need to um, at that one meal. So if we can get into a, a few things that I kind of mentioned here and explaining that more like slow rise blood sugar, rise and fall, there were a couple things that I mentioned. And the first is the importance of pairing, which is pairing protein foods uh, with fiber foods. So to explain that just very briefly, protein foods, first thing comes to mind is our animal foods, right? So chicken, fish, um, eggs, right? Uh, but we also have non-animal-based foods. So it could be um, nuts, nut butter. Um, it could be a, a Greek yogurt, yogurt, cottage cheese, um, even cheese. Like there's some portion sizes like the Baby Bell and Laughing Cow. Some people will do that. Um, so there are some of those other sources that don't always come to mind. So that's protein, but then we're also pairing it with fiber. Fiber would be whole fruits, right? Instead of the juice, whole yeah. fruits, um, vegetables, um, and some vegetables are more carbohydrate dense than others like potatoes, sweet potatoes, corn, peas, um, than others. And then also whole grains. So if you include grains in your diet, you know, you can't just have, um, Let's say you're going to have a sandwich and giving that example of protein and fiber, sure, it's a turkey sandwich, but is the turkey on white bread or is it the whole grain, not just wheat or brown bread because you read the ingredients and it's really just dyed bread. You want the whole grain bread, but you really want to try to add um, a type of fruit or vegetable because the fruits and vegetables will be the most uh, nutrient packed with the highest fiber um, for, for that pairing. So um, back to those three points. You want that protein and fiber pairing uh, at all meals and snacks. The second piece is you want to make sure that you're timing appropriately. So eating every three to four hours is usually a place that I start with most clients. But if, for example, like Eric, you have, you know, I mean, a ton of clients, I usually do too. Um, so sometimes I can't eat every three to four hours. So those, that would be the case where I literally am going to have like a three scrambled egg omelet and I'm going to just make sure I have a, a big breakfast. Cause I yeah. know I'm not going to eat until, you know, two o'clock in the afternoon. So right. you just kind of have to know what, um, you know, what your schedule looks like. But I typically start with most people um, every three to four hours. So that might look like three meals and one or two small snacks. Um, the other and so right. So I said, sorry, one was protein and fiber pairing. Two was the timing along the lines of those that timing. I also want to emphasize the importance that um, for some people who, you know, say work with people over on the West coast. So they're up pretty late, you know, on, uh, up until midnight on a regular basis, which again, that could be a whole nother conversation about sleep and circadian rhythms, Definitely. but 
for this topic today, talking about timing, you know, I have people who eat dinner at 5.30. Well, if they're, you know, go, they're not going to bed until 12.30 at night, um, it actually is going to be super important that they're having an after dinner snack. You know, some people say, oh, I, kitchens, I can't eat anything after six o'clock. I heard that that's terrible for you. Well, every single person is different. I mean, yeah, if you're going to bed at nine or 10 o'clock and your last meal is at six or seven, absolutely. But if, if we want to maintain the blood sugar level, and that's where sometimes people get caught, you know, when they're up till 12 or one and right before they go to bed, they're like, I don't know. I just like, I'm craving chocolate at that time. Well, yeah, that totally makes sense. That's exactly what's happening with that blood sugar roller coaster, right? You're at the bottom and that's why you're craving and you just keep bypassing it. So if you had dinner at 5.30, that might mean that you have a small snack at 9 o'clock. Maybe it's an apple with some peanut butter, right? It doesn't need to be anything big, but still stay with the protein, with protein and some healthy fats from the peanut butter paired with the fiber of the apple. That's going to help keep your blood sugar regulated rather than, you know, all of a sudden it's 12 at night and you're like scrambling for some Girl Scout cookies, right? So Definitely. Um, preventing, I mean, that's what, that's where, um, this idea of preventing those sweet and carb cravings is, um, is super important. And I think it's really surprising when people start to try to eat this way with the pairing idea and also the consistency and just noticing the changes and just really how they're feeling overall. It's, um, it's, it, it, things start, start to start to fall into place. Yeah, and you got to really, it's a test too. It's not going to work, might not work the first time, but you kind of get the hang of it after a while and you kind of know your own peaks and valleys. Mm-hmm. One thing one thing I do want to go back to is you kind of talked about, you know, the, the proteins and the, mixed with the fiber. And I always mm-hmm. try to tell people, you know, in, in, uh, in roundabout terms, because obviously I'm not a dietitian, but try to tell people to try to mix those proteins, fats, and uh, carbs all together, try to get enough. Because a lot of time people just want to go right for, you know, heavy protein or like mm-hmm. a heavy, heavy fat or something like that. But anyway... You alluded to it a little bit by saying snacks and, and small meals, but give us a an example of maybe a serving size for, let's say, let's just say someone, let's just go back to was it Bob, the original person? Like <laughs> yes. What, like what do, what would what would you suggest for Bob in terms of serving size for a protein, uh, maybe fiber and a healthy fat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good question. So, um, I, and I'm glad that you brought up the healthy fat thing because. As I mean, as what I was just saying was protein and fiber pairing, and I wasn't really using that word fat. And that's usually because for most anything that you're going to make, the fat is going to have to be included. So if you're, um, you know, going to have an apple with peanut butter, the peanut butter counts as your protein, but it also has. I mean, peanut butter is obviously a majority of fat. So. Um, but yes, fat is really important to make sure you're getting it at those meals too, but a good, a good starting place. And again, this is going to look really different for everyone. So you just have to kind of find out what, where do you feel best for your energy? Where do you feel like, okay, if I'm hungry an hour or two later, and this is actually a a great question, Eric, I just had a client and she was, you know, eating a a half cup, I think of her turkey meat sauce over spaghetti squash. And I was saying, 
I mean, of course you're hungry. You're not having enough food. And if you're having, you know, really nutrient-dense food, it's okay to have more. Um, but a good place to start would be around anywhere from like 20 to 30 grams of protein at a meal. Um, to give you an idea of that, one egg is about six or seven grams of protein. Um, think about, you know, one ounce of whether it's chicken or fish or, or beef is about, I mean, about seven, seven grams per ounce. So if we're looking at three to four ounces of chicken, that might be, you know, close around that 25 grams of protein. So to give, to give that perspective, but there's some other, I mean, even if you're doing, you know, I gave that example of say you're scrambling up two eggs and you add in a a cup of spinach, that's going to have even about, you know, two grams of protein. So sometimes there's a little bit of protein from some of your plant sources too. Um, so that would be my recommendation per meal, 20 to 30 grams of protein. Um, and then for fiber, trying to aim for at least like five to 10 grams of fiber, um, at the meal. And if we're looking at for the daily requirement of fiber, um, women need to be aiming for around uh, 25 grams and men closer to 35 grams of fiber per day. Now, when you're increasing fiber, you're going to also notice that um, fiber, well, fiber, I guess it, I didn't really explain it too much, but fiber is what helps kind of delay the, um, call it gastric emptying. So, you know, imagining something where you just pour sugar right on the system versus you have to really pull it and pick it apart and kind of un- unwind it. Um, so that's what fi- fiber is doing. It's helping to delay how quickly things are digested. Um, so when you're, you know, really increasing the fiber a lot, if that's something that you're new, you need to make sure that you're also hydrating appropriately and drinking water between meals and that you're just kind of making sure everything's moving through the system. Right. <laughs> so um, <laughs> that will be very important. Yes. Absolutely. So what is a what is a decent snack look like if you're if you're along those lines with your meals? Yeah, so um, I'll give you a few like a few examples. Um, I mean, that apple and peanut butter would be one example. It could be fruit and nuts. I mean, people who are sitting at their desk, you know, they'll usually say, "Oh, I usually just you know scoop up my hand in the peanut jar." Well, you know, nuts are awesome. They're really a good source of healthy fats and um, and a little bit of protein in there. But what can happen is we, you know, forget about what is a portion size. And a right. portion of nuts is a, is a quarter cup, and that's 200 calories. So if we're doing, you know, a full handful, that's, that could be close to a cup and two handfuls. I mean, it can go up pretty quickly. So that's where if you're doing, you know, the nuts, that would count as your protein and fat, and you're pairing it with, we'll have an apple or have a banana. Um, another example might be if you do cheese, and I know a lot of people like cheese, but you need to control the portion size. So getting, you know, a portioned size of, say, Baby Bell or Laughing Cow or Cheese Stick, those are usually things that I say if you're, you know, on the go. Um, having that with um, grapes or a piece of fruit or some vegetables, as we don't always think about vegetables. So that would be one. Um, another one might be like a plain yogurt or cottage cheese. And you could mix that in with, again, some fruit. I've also had people that love like cottage cheese with some chopped up um, cherry tomatoes or bell peppers. Um, now, I, you'll notice that I kind of said a lot of fruit things there. Um, some other ones with vegetables, which I'm always trying to stress more vegetables. Yes, every um, meal, right. Yes, would be, um, you could do, you know, I'm just imagining the standard person, you know, at their desk, 
a hummus and vegetables. So whether it's hummus and some um, carrot sticks or broccoli, cauliflower, um, I personally, um, and it's just kind of depends on what spectrum you're at. I will roast a ton of vegetables during the week and I'll usually, you know, use that as, as my snack. So it doesn't always need to just be raw, but you could do, you know, some, um, uh, some, some roasted vegetables. Sometimes I'll do like, I'll have some leftover roasted sweet potato and I'll have that with a hard boiled egg. Um, Perfect. so those would be, Oh, and then my, my new favorite one that I really like is I've been on this kick with, um, dried edamame. Have you had it at all? Have you ever had dried edamame? edamame? I don't think I have. Oh my gosh. It is amazing. They have it. <laughs> they have it at the bulk section at, um, whole foods and fresh time and a couple other places, but they also have a brand, it's called uh, Seapoint Farms, and they just have it in this little baggie. And, you know, when you when you look at a portion size, it's a third of a cup. But for that third cup, you're getting, um, I think it's 8 grams of fiber and 13 grams of protein. So oh, wow. it, it really does fill you up. And that's where this would be an example where it kind of counts as both. It kind of counts as your protein and fiber. So it's a good a good snack to have at your desk or if you're some, somewhere on the go, um, but to yeah. just make sure that your blood sugar is staying stable. Yeah, that's a. I just noted that down too. I'm going to check that out. Um, yeah, I'm so. glad you mentioned that about the nuts too because a lot of people will say that they keep a bag of like, you know, the really big bulk <laughs> almonds and, and they just snack. And that's great to have that there. <laughs> but you know what? Like a tiny little sandwich bag, Ziploc bag, are they're pretty inexpensive and you can... I don't want to freak people out, but you know, if you want to get real down down to it, you do. You can actually measure out what a serving size is, dump into that a bunch of those bags, and maybe throw them in your bag or your car, like we've talked about before, or throw or throw just one or one or two of those bags at the desk. So at least you know you're it's being controlled. Or you know, if you don't want to be that strict about it, that's fine too. Just grab like a handful, throw it in one of those bags, zip it up, throw it in your bag, and you're good for the day. So like, because after after so after a certain amount of time like the calorie the calories will outweigh uh, how do I say that like they, they will count like it's yeah I try to not stress calories too much but there's a point where if you're doing few like diminishing return yeah exactly yeah that, that's uh-huh. what I was looking for Another idea too with that is that um, even if you are, you know, you don't have the baggies and you're like, whatever, I'm not going to do the bag thing, just keep, you know, a little Dixie cup literally in that big. I don't know, Costco thing that you have. So at least you know, okay, for every one time I scoop up this Dixie cup, that's 200 calories. So that you physically know, you know, because I think everyone's hand sizes are different, but that's something that, um, you know, you could just do effectively today. That's a good idea. And something else that you mentioned earlier too was uh, we were talking about juice versus whole fruit. So um, I've heard a lot of conflicting things about juice versus eating whole fruits. And that there might be something of um, maybe uh, what people describe as a quote-unquote glucose dump when they consume uh, juice because of the amount of sugar that goes into the system without being processed. So what do you recommend in terms of like fruit juices versus whole fruits? Obviously, I, I, I mean, I'm maybe speaking out of turn, but like whole, anytime you get your hands on whole food, always try to opt for that. But for those people who are fans of the juice, is there are there any recommendations? Are there better kinds? And you know, yes. what are we looking for there? 
Um, honestly, Eric, I could probably do, and I have done, um, I used to be on a juicing podcast that was all about juice. So I used to work for a company that was, um, promoted a fresh whole vegetable and fruit juice. Um, but there's many different, there's a wide spectrum when we talk about juice. So we could probably dive into that deeper, but I'll just kind of start here with two pieces of advice. One is if you're going to have orange juice, have a hundred percent orange juice. Don't do the 50, 50. It's got like a ton of just different additives and preservatives. Whereas, you know, go to, it's amazing. Oh my gosh. At whole foods, they have the uh, juicer right there. And so yeah, it'll yeah, burn right. for you. It tastes amazing, amazing. but yeah, it's fun, the same. And it's fun to watch. Like it, <laughs> it <laughs> is I pretty dope. <laughs> I will agree. Um, but yeah, so, so try to just make sure you're getting, you are getting a hundred percent juice, not the juice, you know, the fruit concentrate. And I see these naked and on wallet juices and mm -hmm. a, they're heat processed. So it doesn't really contain the active enzymes. Um, and two, it has all these like fruit concentrates. And so when we look at, you know, the front side of the label looks all pretty, it says no sugar added. When I turn that label around, it reads 56 grams on the label. That's about, you know, almost close to 61 grams of sugar, which is in a Pepsi. So sugar is, it's sugar, right? Um, so the piece that I would recommend if you are into juicing and you want to include juice, and I have a juicer at my house, I probably make a juice a few times a week, um, but trying to stay with the 80-20 rule. So that would be okay. um, promoting for 80% vegetables and 20% fruit, right? So it's not just 100% um, oranges, I'm going to throw in um, some celery, cucumber, some lettuce, um, or kale, um, along with some apple, lemon, and ginger. I mean, you can, you can mix it up, but um, whenever you put things through a juicer, or if you are purchasing a juice at the store, trying to look and read you know, what are the ingredients, um, how much is in this product, and is it really just green because they threw in a pinch of spirulina? Because it doesn't matter. It's still going to have all that sugar from, you know, it's a, a pint. It's, it's, it's just like the, that high sugar dump that you talked about. So, yeah. um, and then as far as purchasing juices out, making sure that they are a cold pressed or HPP, that's high pressure processed juice. Um, so that will just make sure that it is containing all the active live enzymes um, and it's, it's, uh, a less processed, it hasn't gone through that heat treatment like most of the naked Adwala and V8 juices have. So that would be my word of advice there. That's good advice. Yeah. A lot of people, I mean, that's, there, there, those things are so quick and easy and that's just, you know, a matter of convenience, just like everything else that we have going on for us. I think another, I've been doing a lot of thought about this, about how much food we actually have in our house. And I'm talking about my house specifically. Mm -hmm. And it's, you think about, and maybe you've done some thought about this too, but the amount of food that we have in our home and just readily available anywhere we go, and you and I have kind of talked about this in a one-on-one -on -one and in another podcast briefly, but it it shocks me the amount of times that even I'll get up, and even you know if I know I'm not hungry, and I'll do like the browse. You know, I'll go, I'll go, I'll, just because I know shit is there. I know stuff is behind. I, I'm like, oh, I'll go in, I'll look at like, you know, a Lara bar or I'll go in I'll look at like, oh, I got some dark chocolate left. Or, and even if I don't pick it up, it's almost like, I don't know. It's like I'm checking my stock levels or something, you know, like I, I go in there just to see, yeah, I check, 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 got all that, got all that. The amount of ingredients that I have 
and the amount of food that's already made and everything else just honestly like it's starting to really I mean how much food do I actually need sitting up there that I'm not not going to get to right away it just it, it's just no wonder we're in the situation that we're in you know as, as Americans and it's just it blows my mind sometimes yeah it's kind of overwhelming and yeah. I think that's really interesting too Eric is that you know when we have these behaviors of, you know, maybe it was just a behavior of, of like going into the cabinets, but we're not really consuming those types of food anymore that are in the cabinets, right? We're consuming more foods that, you know, we just roasted up the vegetables and they're, they're in there. And it's just the habit of, of yeah. let me just see what's in the cabinet. Let me just browse and peruse through. And that's when we have to try to ask. And I do this myself all the time. Literally, it's five o'clock. So my four o'clock, I'm not really hungry. I'm just kind of like, you know, starting to get a little bit tired, trying to like, you know, start to think about what I'm going to do later this evening. And I just get into that habit. So I mean, I think that's a great, <laughs> a great um, discussion that we had last time on habits and just like that behavior. But um, back to I mean, blood sugar control, if you can start just making sure you're having protein and fiber together and that you're maintaining on that routine schedule every three to four hours, hopefully that can kind of prevent some of those, you know, thoughts of I, I need some hunger because I'm craving yeah. something, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that, that brings up a lot of other good points. And this podcast is going to lead to into many more. And uh, I'll go ahead and tell everybody that you and I discussed about doing at least a monthly podcast, maybe bi-weekly about different nutrition topics. So I want to encourage people to reach out to Kristen, reach out to me and ask us anything that you have on your mind and uh, we'll be sure to try to get to it. But just this one alone, I've jotted down four other different, four other different podcast topics. So, <laughs> so we've got a lot, of, lot to discuss our next uh, training appointment or our next, uh, our next meeting. So, awesome. um, so Kristen, again, thanks for hopping on and dropping some knowledge with everybody. And, uh, I think I'm going to go ahead and link your contact information to the podcast notes. So we'll have all that. So everybody will have that. And, uh, anything else you want to add before I let you go? No, I think sounds good. And, uh, yeah, just if anyone has questions or thoughts about other nutrition questions, we'll be happy to answer them on the podcast. All right, Kristen, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Eric.